Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Today's a special day. It's Tuesday, and on the Employment Matters podcast, that's Travel Tuesday, where each week we get the chance to dial in our members from around the world who share with us some of the most important things we need to know about doing business in their jurisdiction. Today, we're going to be learning more about doing business in Brazil, and I'm pleased to welcome to the show Patrick Lobo, a lawyer at Demarest. Patrick, how are you today? Hi, Pete. I'm doing great. Really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. So this is a fascinating country, and there's so much about it that I think people think they know about, but let's dig in more deeply if we can and get an overview of the jurisdiction, something about the economy, population, government structure, whatever you think is important for our audience to know. Sure. I think we can start by saying that Brazil is the largest country in South America and the fifth largest country in the world in size. It's also the seventh in the world in population with around 210 million people. Contrary to what some of our listeners might think, unlike other countries in South America, Brazil's official language is not Spanish, but actually Portuguese. We are a constitutional democratic republic with over 5,000 cities spread out through 26 different states, plus the federal district, which is where our capital, Brasilia, is located. And well, the main financial and business hub for the South American continent is located here in Brazil. It's the city of Sao Paulo, which is a basis for most of the multinational companies, banks, top financial advisors, and law firms, with its more than 12 million inhabitants, myself included. On top of that, there are 14 cities outside the state of Sao Paulo with population over 1 million people and several other states in Brazil that are bigger than many countries around the globe. Of course, Brazil is not only big in size, but also very strong economically. We frequently rank among the top 10 GDPs in the world. Wow. So that is quite a space, as well as being the central hub for business and finance, and yet uses a different language as its primary method of communicating within the country. Let's talk about some of the industries within Brazil, if we can, Patrick, and fill us in on that. Well, we do have several relevant industries in Brazil, but we can say for sure that agriculture, iron steel production, and oil and gas industries are among the most significant ones. Brazil is actually self-sufficient on oil and other energy production resources, such as hydro and wind power plants. And it ranks among the top producers and exporters of agricultural products, ethanol, iron ore, soy, sugarcane, fruit, coffee, beef, chicken, and leather. But besides that, if you look at most of the economic reports out there, they will show you that many sectors in Brazil also offer good short and long-term opportunities for growth and investment such as in agricultural biotechnology and commodities, digital technologies, chemical products, clean energy, and of course, commerce, transportation, motor vehicles, among others. So my sense is a lot of companies put their factories in Brazil, and Brazil is, is certainly one of those top 10 global economies, like you mentioned. But let's put ourselves in the shoes of an international company wanting to move into Brazil and employ locally, employ Brazilian citizens. So what are some of the key structural issues we need to think about when employing locally? Are there unions, affirmative action, any type of equal opportunity regulations? Give us some sense of that, if you would. Well, 
one of the most significant features of Brazil's labor and employment whole legal system is that the laws regulate the details of work relations to a much greater extent than in other countries. And in addition to that legal regulation aspect, the concept of collective bargaining, that is, the union-negotiated agreements, is also a very strong in Brazil. And the union agreements can even prevail over the law when they are addressing certain specific rights and rules of the labor relations. It's also important to say that Brazil's union system is kind of peculiar because every employee is mandatorily represented by a labor union, regardless if the employee is actually even affiliated to a union. So labor union representation is based on the company's economic activity and location. So only one labor union can represent each category of employees in each location. By law, the labor unions and the corresponding employers associations should annually negotiate employees' mandatory salary increases, as well as other rules about the employment relationship that would be applicable to the economic category that they represent. Each labor union has a date to negotiate these issues every year. It's known as the base date. If the unions reach an understanding of those conditions, they draft and execute a collective bargaining agreement, the CBA. So the CBAs may contain economic clauses and or social clauses, and they usually establish rights and benefits that are better than the standard parameters that are provided by law. The main clauses of a CBA are the rate or percentage for the annual mandatory salary adjustment and the minimum wage for that category. But other most common clauses that employers must definitely pay attention to include meal voucher amount, job tenure situations, justified absence cases, specific rules on health and safety conditions, special allowances, among others. And another important aspect to consider when employing in Brazil is that the labor ministry and labor prosecutor's office are both very active in overseeing compliance with labor legislation and also as to affirmative actions, diversity and inclusion matters. And of course, as many people may have heard, Brazilian legislation and labor courts are famously known for being overprotective of the employees. However, over the past few years, especially since the 2017 reform, Brazilian law is actually showing signs of modernization with changes being implemented to discourage litigation and also to grant more flexibility in work relations. Just to give you a very recent example, in November, the government issued one decree and a few new ordinances as part of an initiative to consolidate more than 100 regulations that were considered outdated and that were too scattered around in our legal framework. So based on these continuous changes that are still happening, we do envisage a promising future for the Brazilian labor and employment legal framework. So, Patrick, based on what you're describing with this reputation of being overprotective of the employees, but yet now we're starting to see some modernization around some of those regulations. In your opinion, what is the general business climate in Brazil? Is it more leaning pro-business or still leaning pro-employee? What's your sense of that? Well, it is true that Brazilian labor litigation level is considered high. And that part of that is because As we just mentioned, the courts are historically very pro-employee. There's also still a certain level of bureaucracy 
especially for corporate procedures. And depending on the segment, there are also several regulatory and environmental obligations that companies must abide to, but nothing too different than essentially any serious country requires nowadays. So at the end of the day, of course, it's important that foreign companies map out the specific requirements for their line of business to ensure smooth market entry in Brazil. However, historically, the wage levels are overall low in Brazil when compared to other countries outside of South America. And there are several tax incentives provided by the government to encourage foreign investment, which continues to make the country very attractive for multinational companies that seek to extend their business here in Brazil and to the whole of South America in general. That is exciting. And let's let's talk about some of those foreign investments, particularly as it has to do with employee migration, people entering into Brazil as expatriates from their home country or perhaps movement between other countries in LATAM. So what are the prospects like for cross-border opportunities? And just give us a sense, if you can, about the immigration standards in Brazil and whether they're difficult, hard, are there any special programs for expats? Go on from there, if you would. Sure. I think it's safe to say that cross-border opportunities are really good in Brazil. Brazil is still one of the biggest receivers of foreign direct investment in the world. And this happens due to several factors, most of them we just covered here. So a huge domestic market of over 210 million people, extensive natural resources, and availability of easily exploitable raw materials, a diversified economy, and a strategic geographic position that allows easy access to other South American countries. Because Brazil has borders with every South American country except for Chile and Ecuador. As to the immigration aspect, it has definitely been essential for the historical development of Brazil's economy and culture, and is still considered a key factor for the future of the country. We had a new migration law approved in 2017 that brought new policies aimed at reducing the differences in rights between Brazilians and foreigners, and also to making the process of coming to Brazil easier and faster for those foreigners. So new procedures have been introduced by this new law to expedite and facilitate the granting of work visas. However, of course, it's still necessary to obtain certain authorizations for foreigners to work in Brazil. In summary, Foreigners need to have a valid visa, which allows the person to enter the country, and the appropriate residence permit, which is the authorization that will allow the person to actually remain working in Brazil. So there are essentially three types of visas. We have the visitor visa for tourism, businesses, transit, and also for artistic or sports activities purposes. There's also the temporary visa which is the one applicable for work purposes in Brazil, but also for purposes of research, health treatment, study, summer jobs, family reunion, and investment, among others. And there are also the official diplomatic and courtesy visas. But these ones, they're only applicable for foreign government representatives or private employees who travel to Brazil for an official visit. Now, as to the residence permits, Well, there are several different types that can be used, and each one of them is regulated by a specific resolution issued by Brazil's National Immigration Council, with different characteristics and requirements applying to each one of them. So when it comes to the residence permits, a case-by-case analysis is essential to determine the most appropriate one for each person involved. 
Well, Patrick, thanks so much for that snapshot there. And for those that want to learn more about Brazil, check out the Global Employer Handbook chapter or feel free to reach out to Patrick. If you'd like to connect with Patrick, you can find his bio by clicking on his name in the description of this podcast. Patrick, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Pete. And thanks to the ELA for this opportunity. Please visit the Employment Law Alliance at ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to on-demand content from our online library, or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks so much for listening.